join me, Christine Weinbrenner Eirich, for soulful conversations with my community of travelers, exploring the heart, the mind, and the globe. We might all agree that we are missing travel right now. These conversations highlight what tourism really means for the world. Soul of Travel honors the passion and dedication of the people making a positive impact in tourism. In each episode, you'll hear the story of industry professionals and seasoned travelers who know travel is more than a vacation. It is an opportunity for personal awareness and it is a vehicle for change. We are thought leaders, action takers, and heart-centered change makers. This is the soul of travel. Welcome to Soul of Travel. Today's conversation is another I'm so happy to be having, and I'm filled with gratitude at the magic that has brought together the Soul of Travel community. I met Jules Sampson when we were both taking the Transformational Travel Designers Program offered by the Transformational Travel Council. I knew right away that we felt the same way about travel, and I was excited to learn more about the journeys she designs. Jules is the owner of Reclaim Yourself, where she creates yoga retreats in extraordinary places. She has a real gift for finding magical settings and bringing together the perfect team to offer truly transformational experiences. In this conversation, she'll share her personal journey, how she first experienced wellness and healing, and then brought that into her work as well as directing her focus towards traveling more mindfully and responsibly. I loved hearing about her time in Tanzania, working in international development, and how that opened her eyes to these new possibilities. When Jules started Reclaim Yourself, there weren't many yoga retreats around, so she was a true pioneer. She knew she wanted to create something powerful and new. She began hosting wellness days, and then weekends, and it really grew organically from there. She's been doing this work for 15 years and has run over 200 retreats in many countries around the world. Her work has been featured in The Guardian, Lonely Planet, National Geographic Travel, and Elle magazine, just to name a few. I was lucky to be connected to her during this pandemic and to see how she used this time to reconnect to her values and her commitment to responsible travel. In 2019, she decided to make some significant changes in how she travels and where her team works. This goes beyond sustainability and into regenerative travel practices to restore and not just maintain the health of our planet. She is a true inspiration to me, and I could happily spend my days traveling with Jules and Reclaim Yourself. Join me now for my soulful conversation with Jules Sampson. Welcome to Soul of Travel. I'm so excited today to be sitting down with Jules Sampson. And uh, we connected, gosh, I don't even know, it feels like 
I can't, I can't do time these days. <laughs> yeah. We connected a while ago, I'll just say, <laughs> through the Transformational Travel Council. Mm-hmm. And we were both taking their travel designer program. And I just remember right away being really inspired by the work that you're doing and the way you create journeys and experiences and how you use travel as more than just uh, an experience or as a vacation, but there's all these layers and components um, to it, which is definitely something we see across the board in the TTC community, but it's something that I really love about travel as well. So um, I wanted to bring you on to Soul of Travel once I conceptualized this whole conversation space. And um, Jules is the owner of Reclaim Yourself, where she creates um, yoga retreats in these really extraordinary places. And so I'm so excited to bring you on, talk about your journey, how you came into the space of wellness and healing and travel, and, and then also move into looking at traveling more mindfully and responsibly. So um, I'm going to give you a moment, Jules, to introduce yourself and just share a little bit about who you are, and then we'll go from there. Great. Thank you, Christine. It's so nice to be here. We've actually been planning this for quite a long time, haven't we? So yeah. I've been watching all your other interviews thinking it's going to be my turn soon. So here I am. <laughs> so my name is Jules, Jules Sampson. I am based in London in the UK and I own a retreat company called Reclaim Yourself. Um, I set it up about well, same thing. I've kind of lost track of time. I keep saying 15 years, but I think it's 16 now because we kind of lost a year, didn't we? But yeah. yes, I've been doing it for quite a long time. It's my business. I created it. I run it. I'm, I'm an entrepreneur um, and I usually run around 10 retreats a year. So it's not like a big company. It's not a big retreat machine. It's you know each retreat takes me two or three years usually to put together it takes a really long time and then I carefully select who I'm going to work with and then co-create it with my local partners so they're very thoughtful powerful experiences Um, and some places I go back to lots and lots and other places I kind of do one or two and move on but it's basically everything maybe with love really creative um and in the few years I've been through lots of different ups and downs and uh you know my journey hasn't been a straightforward one but in the few years leading up to the pandemic I'd I'd become very clear about what I was doing and how I was doing it and it was really wonderful and then along came the pandemic which I kind of thought was going to be a disaster um which of course in many ways it is Um, But I met you guys, went to the Transformational Travel Council, found a whole new community. And in that time, I've I've redesigned my business again. So while we've had this big pause, I've actually kind of gone on a journey to look at how I've done a huge uh, like assessment of my whole village and my whole retreat company and worked out how I can make it a more responsible travel company. So there's been many layers and many types you know sort of different ways that reclaim yourself has operated and here I am now waiting for yet another new beginning yeah 
thank you for sharing that. I just was thinking about um, the, the travel designer program and all of us signed up for that before the pandemic started. So we all had one vision of what we thought we were going to get out of that group and that experience. And like you said, like we kind of had this trajectory of like, oh, great, I'm going to learn more about mindful travel, making yeah. this more meaningful. How do I create stronger experiences for our travelers? And then I, I'm trying to remember again with that timeline, if it, it started like right as we started actually doing the program, but either way, like we immersed ourselves in this in a completely different space Absolutely. than we thought. And one of the things I loved being in that community at that time was seeing every person's kind of personal and professional response to this pandemic. And um, it, it was amazing to see the innovation and ingenuity and the, the perseverance as it was happening. It, it has been a beautiful gift. And like you said, like obviously so much about this time has been a struggle and yet being able to witness the tourism industry from this space within this community has been something that I know will change the trajectory of me personally and professionally. It, it, it was really such a blessing. Yeah, I completely agree. But I feel like I'm still in that process. Yes, yes, <laughs> it hasn't ended. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I think we started the course in April 2020. Yeah, I'm not great. sure about where you were in the States, but we went into a full lockdown at the end of March. So literally within a couple of weeks of going into our first ever lockdown, we were suddenly had this incredible online community, global community to talk to about it. So that was the beginning of the course for me. And I remember at the time feeling like I could be really positive and use this, we're going to pivot yeah and I really kind of thought it would be over in a couple of months and that you know we'd do the course and we'd come out and the big bounce back would happen and I think I've done like four pivots since then I'm still waiting yeah. and still I actually did like a vision vision board for that year and my word was transformation of the year and what I thought that transformation would be is nothing like it's turned out and it's still happening and mm -hmm. it's much bigger than I thought it would be. I kind of thought I would just tweak a little bit with my business and carry on. But actually, I feel like the whole thing has imploded. And now I'm rebuilding. And that, I mean, it's not easy, but it is actually still an amazing opportunity, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I actually, I mean, one of my major inspirations was seeing um, you and many of the other members in our community, but how you were like, okay, great. Like, actually, you know, I am <laughs> drowning in this moment, yet what is sustainable travel? What is a B Corp? What are these yeah. other things that are aligned with my values? I have all this time and space. Can I backtrack and put a different foundation under my business and move forward from there? And um, it's just, it's been really, it's been great to see. And my word for 2020 was journey. Interesting. And so very similar, like mm -hmm. I really expected journey to mean one thing and it turns out it means 
87,000 different things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's also so important, I think, as the same as the word transformation and with the work that we both do, to have that expansive look at both of those things that we thought meant one thing because what we ask of our travelers and our clients when they come with us means all those different things to them. And so now we have a really different way of looking at what the context of transformation or journey and experience and really can play with it in a different way. And so I think there's a lot of value in that. A huge value, huge value. And I, I think what, the other thing about doing that course, I, I I think you were on the call. We we did like a, a Zoom call, which was actually one of the lighthouses. And there were so many people on there and nearly everyone burst into tears at one point. And I remember sitting there thinking, who are all these people? And they're so open with their emotions and I'm feeling it too. And I just remember thinking, I'm really glad I found this place. <laughs> really yeah. glad in the middle of all of this that I found this place and these people and I've pretty much stayed connected to everybody who was on that first call I think and they're still inspiring me and um, just looking at what they've done with their businesses and we kind of contact each other and say how are you getting on what are you doing what's your COVID safety policy on this and it really is it really has been quite a blessing hasn't it yeah I mean it, it's allowed us um, for Lotus Sojourns, for me, my vision was always to create this connected global community, and it has allowed that to happen from a professional standpoint, where I now have all of these people in my corner that weren't there a year ago. I mean, you for one, like, there's just so many people that I know get me, they understand my business, they're supportive of me, we're supportive of one another, and it it's just... Um, it's immense. And it wouldn't have happened if we would have all just kind of had our nose to the grindstone and still been working. And so I think what tourism looks like after this space and time itself is going to be so much more connected and healing and um, collaborative because we've seen the value in that kind of connection to get through this. Yeah, that is the, absolutely the right word. It's connection, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Someone was asking me the other day, when you restart your retreats, what do you think people will need the most? And I said connection. And I would never have said that before. I would yeah. have said, you know, fresh air, like adventures, getting out of their normal routine. And now it's like we've all been stuck inside our houses for a really long time with the same group of people to reconnect to other people, to to the like to nature, everything. It's connection, isn't it? And I can feel it too. I really need it. <laughs> I'm really yeah, I need to get out of my flight in London now. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And I'm so grateful that we haven't had the same level of um restriction that you have had to go through. And I I can't imagine. So uh, I just am constantly sending love to my friends that I know are navigating, navigating that as well. Yeah. Um, well, I would love to kind of begin this conversation looking at your, the first part of your journey 
Um, I think a lot of the people who listen to Soul of Travel are one seeking inspiration for travel, but also in understanding each other's journeys and their stories, seeing themselves in that inspires them to kind of take risks and to listen to that whisper of our soul that kind of often nudges us in places that we don't expect. And um, for you, part of your story that I love is this um, journey that brought you to Tanzania and then what that, that unfolded in your life, which really was a whole new trajectory. So I would love for you to kind of bring us to that place and then, and then walk us through what, what that, what that experience was like and what that brought into your life. Mm, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Reclaim Yourself was actually born in Tanzania. Um, and uh, I lived there for five years. So I went there in my past life, I worked in international development. So I had like a 10, 10 year career in international development um, and went out there in the year 2000 uh, working for an NGO called WaterAid and um, lived in a small town called Dodoma in the middle of Tanzania in the in the middle of nowhere for a year and then I moved down to Dar es Salaam and worked for the Department for International Development which is the UK government uh, was it's now been disbanded but the UK government aid department so uh, and I had a pretty strong experience living as an expat in Tanzania it kind of I went out there I think looking back quite young and naive um, thinking great I'm gonna go and be helpful and then you know the journey of trying to live in a different culture and understand what was happening there. It was really humbling and painful actually, and difficult. And I really did struggle quite a lot with the sort of segregation of the expat community. I wanted to, I'm used to having friends from everywhere. And suddenly I found myself in this kind of slightly diplomatic community that I didn't really fit into. It's the first time in my life I'd experienced that, by which point I was in my mid-30s. So it was it was a tricky time for me and a very demanding job. Um, pretty high level, working with the Tanzanian government. Um, my job, I was um, the civil society advisor. So I kind of looked at uh, funding mechanisms to fund local and international NGOs, which made me not a very popular person. <laughs> so I had to deal with all of those things um, and I found it all very difficult um, and in the middle of all of that uh, when I was really struggling with quite a lot of stress and anxiety um, there really wasn't much support for things like that there at the time someone said to me oh there's this this uh, amazing woman called Radka who massages people you should book in and see her and she's uh, like a Slovenian woman who'd settled there for a really long time so I thought, yeah, massage, I'll do that. Went off to have this massage and it just, I just thought it would just be a nice massage and I'd feel more relaxed. And it was just like a, a huge experience. So then I was like, okay, I need to do this more. And we chat. And after I've been going there for a while, Radka said to me, 
I don't know why, but I have a really strong feeling that I need to teach you massage and I want to create a course and I want you to pay for it because you need to value it. Would you like to learn massage? And I had never done anything like that. I wasn't into wellness. I was smoking at that time, drinking, like totally not into wellness in any shape or form. And I thought, do you know what? I'm quite lonely, um, feeling disconnected to everything and everyone. Maybe I should you know, do this massage course, it'll give me something to do in the evenings. Um, and she said, okay, great, I will provide a body for you to practice on, turn up on Saturday, here you go. And the first day that I went, and the first time I put my hands on this person, just felt this incredibly strong connection. That's obviously the word for our interview today. I was it? just thinking. <laughs> I've uh, put my hands on this woman, I remember it so well, and I just immediately... I can never quite put it in words because I still massage now and I still get the exact same feeling every time I put my hands on someone. It's like the world makes sense. It's the only way I can describe it. Like I just kind of go, it's all okay. Just have trust, faith, it's all good. And from that moment onwards, I just loved. So she taught me the massage. I loved it. And she said, okay, if you're serious about it, go off and do 150 massages. And if you still like it, come back. So I got all my friends, gave them all free massages, got my anatomy chart, everything. Went back, massaged her again. And she said, yep, you've got it. So, and then to cut, I mean, it was like a long journey, but I took a sabbatical from my job and I came back to the UK. I qualified professionally so I could get the insurance, did the anatomy and physiology. And then I went back to Tanzania for another couple of years and I did consultancy work doing my aid work stuff, but then was also working with her, learning from her. And then she was saying to me, oh, do you want to come to yoga with me on Wednesday evening? There's a lady who teaches it in her front room. And I was like, yeah, why not? loved the yoga and I had some really lovely friends that lived in Zanzibar and some of the ladies said to me do, do you have anyone you know in Zanzibar we want to take some people over for a weekend to do a healthy weekend uh, break and I was like oh I lost my friends and we we're like let's turn the bar into a juice bar let's create let's get some massage therapists that other people in and my friend did shiatsu so we created a wellness weekend everyone loved it then we did another one in a different location and it just kind of grew organically. And I just thought, oh, I love this. I love all of it. I love the creativity. I love seeing these stressed out people arrive and then how they seem so different afterwards. I love creating it with the people who own the guest houses. I love involving everybody. I love getting the local chefs in and going to the market and getting the food and I just fell in love with the whole process, but I didn't think that that was a job. I just thought that was a thing that I liked doing. Um, and then over time, just thought, you know what? I really am not happy with doing this aid work. It just, I fell out of love with it. I got quite disillusioned with it. And I found this whole new kind of world that I loved. And I just thought, you know what? I have to leave because you can't stay there without a visa. Um, you have to have a job. So I just thought, I don't want to do my job. I'm going to leave, but I don't know what I'm going to do. So I thought I would 
come back to the UK and maybe I would be a massage therapist and that would be my thing. Um, but before I left, I had a parting gift of a really sort of massive dose of malaria, which stopped me in my traps, took me a year to get over it. So when I first moved back to the UK, I couldn't really massage anyone because I was too ill. So I went off to nutrition college and thought, oh, I'll just kind of keep learning and keep. And then while I was at nutrition college, I met a chef who said, look, I've got a friend. She's got some belt tents. Why don't we do a, a yoga weekend? I was like, yeah. And so it just kind of grew like that really organically. I never sat down with a business plan and went, I'm going to create a retreat company and this is what I'm going to do. I didn't even know that was a thing because it was, it was not, retreats weren't really happening then. And so that was the very beginning of it. And we did a few UK retreats. And then I got a job working at a big, uh, quite famous Ashtanga yoga retreat center in India uh, called Purple Valley. And I got a job there for a season. And that's where I kind of went, oh, yoga retreats, right. Because there they had, you know, teachers would come in every two weeks and bring big groups of like 20, 30, 40 people and take them through an Ashtanga yoga retreat journey. And that's where I really learned my trade and, you know, watched that process over and over again and the drama, the tears, the laughter, all of that. And then I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. So it took me quite a long time, but it was from that moment, which was 2007 really, that I just went, okay, I need a website, I need insurance, I need a plan, and off I went. Yeah. yeah. Um, I love that so much because I think um, so many of us, if you're looking at this from an entrepreneurial perspective, think we need to have that plan before we start or we set off on one path and we think because we started there, that's where we have to end and that if we keep kind of jumping ship to the new idea that we're flaky or inconsistent. And yeah. there's all these things that kind of get in way from the magic happening where that organic process starts to just roll. And if we get in the way of it, we might cut it off before it, you know, finishes what it's meant to be. And, um, I just, I love that. It's so amazing that all these things happen where you, you wouldn't think malaria would be a gift in any way. Right. But yeah, hadn't had that journey and you had gone right into massaging. Maybe you would have been on a completely different path. And so you needed that space and that pause to get into yeah. nutrition to make those connections. And um, yeah, it's where I just think people's journeys are magical. Like this process of soul of travel and hearing how that happens for people over and over is, um, it's just so amazing. And we always see only the person sitting in front of us and we don't know all of the backstory and all the things and all the steps that got them there. And, um, you know, kind of much like a, a travel experience is we don't know all the things that happened before we arrive to take our retreat or for that moment of time where we interact with someone who's traveling with us. Like, I just, it's really made me aware of what's beneath the surface and how valuable that is. And 
then the empathy that that creates for us connecting with one another once we realize that we only know this moment and that there's all this other thing all these other things that go into that so i really appreciate you sharing that um i know that uh early on two of your retreats that are really interesting to me one um back in india where you decided to create this retreat experience in goa which was really in contrast to the place that you had been working can you walk us through a little bit about that that experience where you ended up partnering with an entire village really to create oh a travel experience my favorite retreat ever (laughs) yeah that was really early so I used to like go to uh, this place in Patnam in in South Goa quite regularly. And we always stayed in this village at the end of the the beach. It was a small village and it was before there were lots of tourists there. And a couple of the people in the village used to rent out their rooms to travellers. But it was including me and some friends of mine. And we decided that uh, me and my chef friends that it would be a really good place for a, a retreat. So we went through this entire process where the guy who owned the house that we were staying in knew the head of the village government, the panchayat. So he had to go and ask him, get their permission. And then they had to like get all the women of the village and ask them because they were going to help us a lot. And then after we got all our permissions, which took quite a long time, we then sat down and had this whole long planning session. And I told them, you know, we will need this many rooms for this many guests. And each room needs to have a bed, a new mattress, some new bedding, um, hot water delivered every day. And I will and be painted and I will pay for all of you, all the, all the people who want to offer a room. It needs to be looking like this for my guests and then I'll pay for that and that's an investment because you can then carry on renting the room after we've gone if you want to have more travellers coming into your house so your choice if you want to be one of those people and then I need a flat space with a flat floor for the yoga that needs to be shady so I kind of put all my things out and then everyone agreed it and then we had like this kind of it happened so fast, like 10 days of complete hard work where everyone was painting their rooms and the tuk-tuk driver was off down the market getting new mattresses and the kids were chopping down all the trees and clearing this area. We had just like this little front area um, for the for the yoga and all these things were being hung up on the tree. It was just such an amazing experience. Everyone was laughing and joking and joining in. And then when the retreat actually happened, I carried on employing most of the village as part of the team. So all of the people who owned one of the rooms where a guest was staying, they were assigned to look after that person. So delivering them some hot water in the morning so they could have a a wash, check if they're okay, deliver them some water, drinking water. So they had that. And the kids went off and did the shopping for me before they went to school. You know, they'd go and find the bread man and the tomato man and, you know, all of that. And then the rest of the village were kind of involved in just keeping everything neat and tidy and clean. And it was just such a beautiful coming together. And on the last day, um, 
completely by accident, but some musicians came. Um, and someone said, oh, have you heard about these two ladies who they're still friends with me now, actually. This is like years ago. Um, they do this, be they're beautiful singers. So they came along, put themselves in the yoga space and like just started singing. And so many of the local villages turned up and people were crying and hugging each other. It was just such a wonderful experience for everybody all came together and even now I haven't been back there for a couple of years so this must have been 2006 I think this happened and I the last time I was there was about three or four years ago and the area that we had cleared for yoga that is now a restaurant so it stayed cleared and they've now transformed it all into a restaurant and a kind of terrace dining area so the work did not go to waste basically and most of those villagers are still renting out their rooms so it felt like we co-created something really beautifully couldn't have done it without them yeah. it was their thing really I just kind of asked permission and guided it along mm -hmm. and my guests just had the most amazing experience yeah so yeah it was one of my favorite retreats I'd love to do one like that again actually yeah <laughs> it'd be so good that I would just be so rich it's full of so many of those moments that are magical in travel, um, like the the art, the performers happening upon the village. Like when you just are traveling, and um, and the destination just says, like here, this would be lovely. Basically, right? It gifts you this experience that you don't often have when you are um, kind of on a more regimented tour or in a more traditional yeah. setting, like this shows you how getting off the beaten path and connecting uh, with the community and being immersed like allows all these other things to unfold. And it's also really kind of a great example of the beginnings of a community-based tourism project where, you know, tourism can get a bad reputation for going in and being um, very like self-serving and, you know, wanting to create something like that and not asking, involving and engaging the community. And I love that you were just had this vision and asked how the community could help you create it. And then it has long withstood the purpose of this one gathering where it did create a revenue stream for people in the community. It taught them a little bit about tourism and maybe catering to this type of traveler so that they even have a more valuable experience that they have to offer in the future. And um, yeah, I think that's so beautiful and what a gift to people that got to participate in that experience. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think I'm really lucky because I lived in Tanzania. You know, I had a very humbling experience living there where I really had to learn that I'm living in somebody else's country and I can't march around like, you know, a rude expat just because I, you know, I'm managing some funding mechanism and people need that UK government money. I don't have the right to march around so, you know, it, I, I can't really explain it, but it, it taught me humility. It taught me, like, to respect and understand the place that I lived in um, and that the, the best way to live or be in somebody else's country is to to work with them. I love that so much. I think that's such a 
an important concept when you look at tourism. One, always knowing and recognizing and honoring that you are a guest wherever you are. And I yeah. think, um, especially from a Western mindset and um, that hurried pace, and especially in the US here, where we typically hopefully get one week of vacation a year, like we come in with this very entitled mindset of like, I want this, I need this, this is my valuable time, I'm paying good money, I want my needs met, which is all, I can understand the motivation of that, right? Like we really want the value of our travel experience and yet we're not then honoring that exchange and that community and that connection. And if you take those same seven to 10 days and you go and you have the experience like you just described, actually how much more restorative is that to you and how much more valuable. And I think we haven't been taught as travelers, many of us, how to travel like that. I think it does take that extended time um, to feel that and then to know how to recreate that and how to ask for that. And I think that's the real value in, um, in the experiences you offer in the experiences, many of the people that we work with, um, in this segment of travel really are seeking to create that change in travel where it isn't about an entitled, you know, self-serving experience. It's really this moment of immersive connection and like shared experience that then we take with us for the rest of yeah. our time. And it, to, to be able to create a container for that process is mm-hmm. that's kind of what I live for really. Yeah. <laughs> I have my, my next like bullet point says like, I know your gifts are and creating a container. So <laughs> that's <laughs> a great place to go from there is that part of the magic of reclaim yourself is this, Um, this container that you create for these experiences to happen. And that begins with selecting a destination. And so I'd love for you to just kind of share what that creation process looks like. Like, How do you choose the destinations? What are you looking for? Um, How important that is for you in the overall experience that you're creating. So we can just play in that space for a moment. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, how I choose the destination, I don't have like a, a set process. Like sometimes it's just a place that I, often it's a place that I feel drawn to. For, for, and I don't really know why, but I'm just drawn to it. And other times it's like a complete accident. Uh, and then I realise it's not. But like I would have seen a picture or read something a long time ago and filed it away. or And then other times it would be through like a, a retreat guest who's come on one retreat and totally understood what, what it's all about. And they'll say to me, oh, have you been here? How about this place? Like A, a really good example of that is uh, this absolutely wonderful Norwegian now friend, I would call her Barbara, came to my to Tuscany retreat. And she said, Jules, why don't you do any retreats in Norway? And I was like, well, I've never been to Norway. And she was like, please come as my guest. I will show you Norway. And I thought, you know, I'm gonna do that. 
Oh my god, have you been to Norway? No, it's on. It's Canada. like this secret, <laughs> magical, incredible place. Northern lights, midnight sun, endless forests, renewable energy. This it is like heaven on earth, and it's huge, and there's so much of it. And I had no idea. So that wasn't really on my list. And now I'm completely in love with Norway and would love to do as many retreats there as I could. Um, so that kind of happened that way. Um, my The last place that I found before the pandemic started was uh, a retreat in Panama. I had no intention of running a retreat in Panama. I actually went there on holiday and I'd been doing a retreat in Costa Rica and then had five days at the end and actually just thought everywhere was booked. I'd left everything a bit late and I couldn't find anywhere to stay in Costa Rica. So me and a good friend said, let's go on an adventure. And we, I'd seen this place weirdly on Airbnb. And I said to her, we're going to have to go proper back, backpacker style here. Like, can we do it? And it turned into such a mission to get ourselves from Costa Rica to Bocas Islands in this old, old plane and we arrived, we landed. I had no idea, I hadn't even researched it. Landed in Bocas and I was like, I love it. I love it already. Have you been there? It's, I have, that's one of the places I've wanted to go so much. Oh, just so colorful and bright and friendly and laid back and, you know, went to this small town and everyone was just so, hi, how are you doing? Where are you going? Just so, it was just so beautiful rather than, here's some tourists, what's going on? And we went and stayed at this place that I thought it was in the middle of nowhere in these lagoons. And I thought there was two or three huts there. So we were just kind of chilling. And then we were having lunch with uh, the, the manager and she was saying, what do you do? And I said, yoga retreats. I said, oh, I'd love to do a retreat somewhere like this, but you know, it's too small. And she said, oh, but we've got a whole big house up the hill with a yoga studio. You wanna come and look? And I was like, oh, I can't help myself. And then I went to I went to see it and just thought, great, but it was it's quite a simple place. And I was thinking, I think my guests will probably struggle to be here for a week. It's quite, you know, it's a it's a compost toilet, you know, it's and it's it's jungly. And I said to my friend, I, I kind of need to do it in two different places. I'm not sure how this is going to work. It's probably not going to work. And we went off and we stayed somewhere else and it wasn't great. And then we had one day left. And I just thought, oh, just going to get onto Airbnb because that seems to be the thing they use out there. So I looked in Airbnb and just put in the number of rooms I wanted. And this place came up. And I was like, oh, it's got it's big enough. So I just sent a quick message on the Friday evening and just said, looking for a spot to do yoga, uh, to do a retreat. Don't suppose you have anywhere that you could do yoga. Ten minutes later, she replied and said, I've actually just built a yoga deck just finished it last week. Do you want to come and have a look? And I said, well, I'm actually leaving tomorrow. And she said, where are you? And I said, where I am? And she said, well, drop your bags and then I'll send a boat for you, 10 o'clock, dock two. And I said to my friend, you up for it? And we went, yep. And off we went, we went off in this boat. We were like bombing along, went further and further past all the other islands and then finally arrived at this place met this incredible woman and she was so cool. She had already set up a little thing on her iPad. She's in the middle of this tiny little island in the middle of nowhere. And she just said, uh, you're meant to be here because I've just finished the yoga deck and a yoga retreat company has contacted me. I'm ready to present my ideas. 
and we just sat there and had a drink together and planned it and I was like right booked it done like in the space of three days and then as this was at the end of February 2022 as we were flying back I kind of put the retreat together on the plane went to meet the yoga teacher when I got back and we'd sold it out within a week and so we put another one on sold another one so we had two sold out and then the pandemic hit so we haven't run it yet still sitting there so we kind of just sometimes it just happens like that and then other times I say I want to run a retreat in that country and then it usually takes me two or three years to find the right people to work with because I don't want to go to a retreat center and I don't really want to go to a hotel so I quite like finding places that are new or off-grid or away from where all the other tourists are like my Iceland retreat I'm an Icelandic person came on a retreat of mine in Spain and said, why don't you do retreats in Iceland? But this was such a long time ago. They just didn't have any big locations. Um, and then I kept saying to her, where do you think? And she said, well, I always go, like I do heli skiing up in the north of Iceland. So I was like, okay. <laughs> but it took me like two years to find this place. And I found it on Airbnb in the middle of the night. And it's a, like a private Icelandic farm. But the woman who owns it happens to be a yoga teacher. So she built a yoga, beautiful yoga room so she could teach yoga to the skiers. But they were, it's not like a public venue. It's her thing. So it's like I'm like ducking and diving and weaving around and following my intuition and connections rather than kind of going on Google and going to a yoga retreat platform and finding venues. That's, I kind of like to do my own thing. <laughs> Don't like to follow the crowd. Yeah, that's where the magic comes from is that um, I think it starts there, right? Like you, you're already setting the intention and the vision and the emotion behind this experience just with how you're kind of asking the universe for the space, right? Yeah. And it lands and it's already there the foundation for that magic is already there. And then you have over the years learned how to pull the right people together to then build that experience out. And you were mentioning, you know, uh, having your yoga instructors and um, that you bring in um, a nutrition aspect and and some of the other healing modalities. Um, can you share a little bit more once you've found this destination? Um, how do you how do you move from there uh, to then to bring people together to create this experience? Well, um, after I found somewhere and made sure that the budget is going to work and the logistics, like how we get there, you know, how, how what kind of travel is it, and these days also how sustainable is that, you know. Is it going to be three flights? In which case, that's no, that's no good anymore. But anyway, once I've done all of that, I then look at my preferred way of doing things is to work with local chefs. But sometimes, because I'm going to places where they may not have hosted a retreat before, uh, the the chef may not be used to cooking for a yoga group, and yoga groups like are usually vegetarian with vegan options. Quite often they don't, they, you know, they often people that are very connected to their body and they have quite particular needs with their nutrition. And also a yoga group doesn't eat in the same way as a group of tourists. 
So they will get up and do two hours of yoga and then be absolutely starving and need a massive breakfast all at once. And they're hungry. So that whole, it's not like how, you know, if you've just got a group of tourists, two people will come and have their breakfast at a leisurely pace and then three more people will come. Like when it's a group of yogis, it's like, here we come, feed us now. And so if, if the chefs are really experienced, then normally I'll just like have a chat with the chef and show them some of the menus of my chefs because a couple of the chefs I work with have their own recipe books so I often travel with them and say this is the kind of stuff and here's a book for you and in some cases that's brilliant and the chefs cook us amazing food but if they don't have that experience I will my next best option is to bring one of my chefs to work with a local team so they work together which same as we were talking about before, it's so much better for my chef to work with local chefs because they know where the best ingredients are. They know where the best market is. So you're not starting from scratch, but then also they share recipes and my chefs are really good at, you know, grabbing hold of a local saying, what's your best dish? What's your national dish? Let's make it vegan. Let's do this. Let me show you how to make cheese out of nuts. And, you know, let me show you how to do some food styling. So we kind of, there's like a nice shared thing. And then my last scenario is if there isn't a local chef, then I take a whole chef team with me. But as I go forward, I'm trying to do that less and less. So that's my food. And then I always travel with one of my yoga teachers because that is how my brand works, is we're, we're taking people that want to follow a yoga teacher I am looking maybe in the future to work with more locally based yoga teachers, but at the moment it's a UK yoga teacher with a UK group generally. And then I often travel with my own body workers. And the reason that I do that is although in some locations there are local massages and spas available, often they're not tuned into yoga bodies. And I've had a couple of times where uh, sort of uh, one of my yogis has had like some body work that's injured them because it's you know so it's quite it's a little bit like having the yoga teacher I sometimes travel with my own therapist because that it's very finely tuned into the sort of mind body experience of the customer so that would be my normal team myself as the host and the organizer a yoga teacher maybe a body worker and maybe a chef and then also, you know, several different local team members. And then between us, we create the retreat. So the chef will work with the local chefs to create the menu. The yoga teacher is creating their journey. The body worker fits into that. And then I'll work with the local host to create the activities. So then I start putting together the actual journey, day one, day two, day three. And then, you know, I will spend quite a lot of time with the local owners. Uh, and I tell them at the beginning, I am going to ask you loads of questions. I'm not just going to rock up and ch- chance it. I want to know how long is it going to take to climb that mountain? Like how much food are we going to need? Because if you send yogis up a mountain without enough food, they're going to cry. <laughs> like Because they've already done two hours exercise before they climb the mountain. So kind of putting that process in place 
where maybe they're not used to hosting and say like look we can't go horse riding at 10 because they won't have finished their breakfast can you please ask the guy with the horses if we can do it later no he only does it at 10 so oh so there's a whole process of putting each day together and these days having done my designer course I'm now a very professional retreat designer so I know all about my peak end theories and putting in these big things and then also now building in some rituals. So the stuff that I've been creating since I've done the design course is, is a bit different. So I co-created a trip um, in Ecuador with Juan Carlos Garcia, who was also on the design course with us. And we've literally taken everything we did in the design course and popped it into a retreat. So that is, slightly different I haven't been able to run it yet but like that's a slightly different process so I'm not even taking a yoga teacher on that one I'm just taking a chef we're doing a food journey and we're taking the fruits of the Amazon and then we're cooking with the locals wow so yeah I love it I, I just love how um the process of creating the retreat is almost this organic journey as well and it it just kind of it, it tells you yes or no, like you can do this and you can't and it, it starts to shape it itself. And I always say that travel is this gift and every destination gives us what we need from that experience. And so um, when you really listen and work slowly through it and you don't just say, this is going to happen and this and this and this, where you're not so demanding again, where you're open, it, it crafts itself yeah. this way. Exactly. Like if you just go in and go, I want this, this and this, deliver it. Then my, my experience is that either it will be delivered with no, there's no input or they've agreed to it, but it doesn't actually happen. And they just think, oh, well, when they turn up, we'll just deal with it. And then you've got chaos. So there has to be this process before you get there of like going in together and then saying, but what if we did this now? How would that feel? I enjoy that process, but sometimes I think I'm quite annoying. <laughs> I'm like, God, this woman has emailed me again, asking me even more questions. What? <laughs> now they want to Zoom about it? Why? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure in the end, though, when it all comes together and it, it's then it's like this balance of the destination and your vision instead of it being resistant or just like, creating the same thing in every destination over and over, which I think happen that it's really the, the destination is informing the experience. Um, I, I don't want to leave this off of our conversation. So we're going to go a little bit over, but I want to look at um, your, your kind of revisioning of reclaim yourself and bringing in the extra layers of impact and with your travel experiences. And you already talked about, um, sustainability informing some of your experiences where if it's going to take three flights to get somewhere, that's no longer the right destination for you. I know you've thought again, a lot about creating more meaningful and transformative experiences, the values of B Corp and how all of these things are adding more. Can we just talk a little bit about what that's looked like for you and your business? Yeah. Okay. So I started off by doing a massive audit of my, I started off the, the easy bit, but it was the bit that I was putting off. So I did an audit of my carbon footprint of everything, flights for me, the team, the customers, 
travel, in-country travel. I did a huge audit. And then I looked at what was my total carbon emissions for 2018, 2019, 2020 doesn't count. And then looked at, okay, I need to reduce this by 50%. I'm going bold. I'm not going to just try and chip away. And how can I do that? So that was my first thing that I did. And I did that by obviously that I was doing things like doing a retreat in Mongolia and then coming back and then doing a retreat in Japan and then just going, Jules, no, one or the other. Like I love both those trips, but one or the other. And then, so I kind of cut down just so if you're doing 10, now you have to cut down your long haul and just do two a year. And then when you're doing your other ones, looking at, does that take two or three flights? Is somewhere where you can go one flight? And then beyond looking at the flights, then looking at in-country, uh, what is the carbon emission, the carbon footprint of me being in a particular country? So say somewhere like Mongolia, the camps are completely off-grid. You know, the, the guys that have set that up, they are experts in sustainable tourism and they have low impact camps that leave absolutely no trace. So even though it's a long haul flight to get there, once we get there, our carbon footprint is really low. So it was kind of looking at like when you work in Iceland, it all runs on renewable energy. When you work in Norway, similar things. So it's starting to look at stuff like that. And then also starting to look at creating longer trips so if you're going to go all the way to India spend three weeks there don't go for a week fly in fly out like most people would want to spend 10 days two weeks so do that trip and then add extra or and travel by train when you get there so I kind of started looking and once I once I understood it it was quite easy actually to do that so that's how I started and then as time has gone on, because then I had this whole plan, this is what I'm going to do and this is my carbon footprint. And then the pandemic carried on. So that plan went out the window. <laughs> no travel still. So I've now been um, doing my B Corp application, which is really complicated. But I have developed a checklist for each of my locations. So I now have a checklist that looks at their environmental impact, conservation work, their, their social impact, like it's a whole list. And I go through that list with each of my local partners. And it's brilliant because it ends up being a conversation. It's not me saying you have to tick all these boxes at all. It's just saying, well, look at it. And so like there was one um, host that I was doing and they said, we were thinking about doing some tree planting and we, we haven't really done anything about it, but we're going to do that now so we can tick that box. And then they send me these photos of them doing these tree planting stuff. So I've kind of taken it from the factual stuff of measuring carbon footprints into more human stuff of like, how am I going to work with each local place? And rather than writing it off and saying, can't go there, plastic everywhere, it's terrible going, well, let's look at what we can do. And if they want to, and everyone does, of course they do. Every tourist location doesn't want to be damaging the environment. They want their business to continue. But I guess for all of us in the pandemic, have got all got time to think about how we can do it better. So it's actually been a really positive experience. 
Like no one has turned around and said, why are you asking me these questions? I'm not interested. They've asked me more. Like, and how, what are, you, what are other people doing? Where else are you working? Like, what are they doing? And, and, and now I'm kind of starting to go into the next layer, which is looking at how can I not only like obviously offset everything, reduce everything, but how can I now positively impact on a location, maybe trying to find conservation projects, but that takes time. I can't travel at the moment. I think you kind of need to go to a country rather than just Googling and saying, this looks like something nice. Let me give some money to that. I actually kind of want to, so it's layers, layers and layers, but I'm really enjoying the process. Yeah. I love the idea too, that it's another opportunity for connection to community and the conversation and education. And like you said, you know, I've, I've met with operators and said, okay, I, I don't want to use single use plastics on this trip. How can we, yeah. do, that? do you already work with any hotels that are both locally owned and already have a foundation in operating sustainably? Um, and then they kind of get excited because it's this puzzle they're solving too. Yeah. And then it goes beyond because the next time they come in, they they have this that they already can offer to another operator that um, wants those things or didn't even know they wanted, but they can say, hey, we can do your trip with, you know, no, no plastics. Um, all of our properties are locally owned and, you know, this much money is going towards this nonprofit that we collaborate with here. And so that value add, um, it, it keeps going. It's not ever something that I think just meets our needs. It, it really, it really moves the whole, um, the whole group forward with. Absolutely. And yeah. Yeah. I still feel like I've got lots to learn. And it's because I work in lots of different places, it's quite a lot to learn about lots of different places. Mm -hmm. So especially if I keep moving around, mm -hmm. like some of the places that I've been going to for quite a while, I can start to dig in and I've got, you know, strong connections to my local host. So I can really have good conversations with them. Mm -hmm. But it's one of the things I'm asking myself with my business model each time I go somewhere new, like I have to choose well going forward really well yeah. so that half that stuff is already sorted before me having to even go in there and I'm finding that easier as we go along mm -hmm. but sometimes I'm having to compromise like you know finding somewhere that is absolutely beautiful and it's not a locally owned place and I'm like I can't do it it's one of my really strong things it's got to be locally owned and I love it but I can't go there I need to keep looking yeah. And, you know, I kind of stick to my principles, I think. Yeah. And yeah. I, I find that's interesting, too, because some people um, will say, you know, well, I really wanted the place that looked like X, Y, Z, or I really wanted to travel to this particular item. And then you can say, well, you know, these are my brand values and this is really important to me. This is why I believe in it. And this is how the impact it creates. And then you are allowing yourself to find really aligned travelers and educating people who maybe didn't even know to ask those questions when they're traveling to a destination. So I, I like how it moves into that, that space of conversation as well with the travel. 
Um, well, as we wrap up this conversation, one, I want to uh, give you space to share how people can find you, find more about the journeys that you will be offering, hopefully soon. And then um, we'll end with a series of seven rapid-ish fire questions. Oh, I forgot <laughs> about the rapid fire. <laughs> so uh, Jules, where can people find you? I'm quite easy to find. I'm basically reclaim yourself on everything. So Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, I'm reclaim yourself. And my website is reclaimyourself.co.uk and LinkedIn, it's me, Jules Sampson. Excellent. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to start seeing these experiences uh, available again. Oh, me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, Please. I, when it's safe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, all right here. <laughs> what is your favorite book or movie that offers you a travel escape or inspires you to adventure? Oh, um, oh, now I've got terrible memory, so this is going to be hard. Mark Coleman, Mindfulness in Nature as a Path of Self Discovery. Yeah, that's a nice book. Yeah, I put it on my list. I haven't seen that one. Um, what is always in your suitcase or your backpack when you're traveling? My water bottle. Hmm. <laughs> Boring answer, but it's true. Yeah, it's mine as well. Actually, every minute of every day, it's with me usually. Um, what is your favorite destination you've traveled to? Oh, that's so hard. Mongolia always comes out top of my list. Mongolia. Yeah. yeah. And where do you still long to visit? Greenland. Um, what do you eat that immediately connects you to a place you've been? Oh, that's a good question. I would say quite boringly, something like uh, like a, a fruit salad. Like I would never eat that in the UK ever. I would never like get that much fruit. It's very tropical. So as soon as you get a fruit salad, it's like being somewhere sunny and beautiful and lovely. Whereas here I just have muesli. <laughs> I love seeing all of the fruits that we, when you travel, like you know you're somewhere new. Yeah. Things you've never even seen in the market. Yeah. Um, who was the person that inspired or encouraged you to set out and explore the world? Oh, that's also, I wish I'd had these questions before so I could think about it. <laughs> who was the person? Do you know what it was? It was my grandmother when I was really young. She's not with us anymore. Like she was, she used to go on cruises and we used to go and stay with them at weekends and she'd have all these like photo albums of herself on ships all around the world, like in her funky outfits and stuff. And she used to say to me, don't get married too soon. See the world first. <laughs> yeah. It was her from a really young age, actually, my traveling grandma. Yeah. Um, and the last one is if you could take an adventure with one person, fictional or real, alive or past, who would it be? Uh, I'm going to be a total geek and say I would like to go on a trip with Zeta Cobb. Do you know who she is? I don't. She's my absolute sustainable. She uh, created uh, Fogo Island in uh, Newfoundland. So she is just like every time I hear her speak, she's amazing. So I would, I mean, she would not want to go away with me because I just ask her loads of questions all the time. <laughs> but she's my current inspiration. 
Excellent. Well, thank you so much for this time and this conversation and sharing your journey with us. Um, it's so inspiring. And I just, like I said, I love so much hearing the story behind uh, all of this. So thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Soul of Travel. I hope you enjoyed the journey. If this sounds like your community, welcome. I'm so happy to connect with you. You can find more about the ways you can be a part of the Soul of Travel and Lotus Sojourn community at www.lotussojourns.com. Here you can find out more about Soul of Travel and my guests. You can also find The Lotus Sojourns I Guide for Women, as well as my current book, Sojourn, offering an opportunity to explore your heart, mind, and the world through the pages of books specially selected to create a unique journey. You can find me on Facebook at Lotus Sojourns and join our community, The Lotus Sojourns Collective, or follow me on Instagram, either at Lotus Sojourns or Soul of Travel Podcast. Join the Lotus Sojourns mailing list. I look forward to getting to know you and hopefully hear your story.